Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio.
Mayato Tap and Better Love, and uh, you are listening to the Truth to Power show, and tonight we have Eddie Rodriguez with us, and this is Hispanic Heritage Month here. So um, let me bring Eddie up. Eddie, Rod- Mr. Eddie Rodriguez, how are you doing? It's a pleasure to always have you with us. Well, you know, being on Truth to Power, I can't. I can't hear you. Can you speak up a little bit? Okay, certainly. Um, let me, let me my turn mic. my volume up here. How about now? Yeah, that's much better. Okay, sorry mm. about that. Um, it's an honor to be with uh, Truth on Truth to Power with you, <laughs> Beverly D. Love. Um, your program uh, is about political and spiritual. Uh, matters and frequencies and uh, you know we spoke uh, last year during Hispanic Heritage Month uh, also focused on Latin music how the black uh, uh, Hispanic musicians uh, when they traveled in the 60s with white um, uh, Puerto Rican or Cuban musicians uh, when they reached places like Georgia you know they had to go to the colored section and uh, the black uh, you know dark skinned Latinos or black Latinos um, versus white Latinos. And, um, you know, that, that was segregation. And, and the, it affected the music. You know, people didn't want to do it. They, they didn't want to travel anymore. But there were some big hits by Latinos. But uh, when, once they hit the South, you know, it was a different story. So that was the political side. So, you know, we went through all of that, and we have great, you know, uh, interchange, be, you know, between all the cultures now. But... Looking at it from a spiritual point this year, you know, um, I worked with Tito, with the great, late great Tito Puente uh, for many years. Uh, um, I was at his last performance, and one thing throughout the years that he always used to do during a performance was say the words to his audience. He used to have an exchange back and forth with the audience, and he would ask, "Did you feel it?" <laughs> <laughs> And that that's an invisible thing. Yeah. Um, music people understand what I'm talking about. And you know, what we're going to try to do this year is try to, you know, you know, spotlight, put a spotlight on the roots of a music that today is known as Latin jazz. It's played on jazz radio stations. You know, jazz is a is is our heritage here in the U.S. and um, and Latin jazz grew grew from that. Uh, one of the people who picked that up early was um, Dizzy Gillespie uh, from the African American side, uh, with a gentleman by the name of Frank Grillo uh, Machito, um, who had an orchestra called the Afro Cubans. And so, um, but as a solo artist, you know, Tico uh, Puente on percussion by himself, you know, became one of the greatest, one of the most beloved. Um, artists in, in the Latin music industry in general and uh, was called you know, throughout his career the king of Latin music. Um, so it was appropriate. Um, you start with just very simple, uh, you know, uh, composition by him. He was a composer. He was a songwriter. He was an orchestra leader. He, he was, you know, a vibraphonist, not only a um, timbale, which is, you know, the, the two drums 
with a stick, not not a whole kit drum kit uh, that that um, he makes music with. Um, and uh, um, most of the time, I would say, if you're a music person and you can get into that zone, uh, you can feel it. So I hope everyone felt it and. We want to get your comments about some of the music we're going to hear tonight. Um, we're going to be doing this for the next few weeks. We're going to switch it up. Uh, we're going to do some Latin jazz of yesterday of the roots, and then we're going to do Latin jazz of today. And um, then we're going to do salsa music as well of the past, and from the mambo to, to the salsa dance craze of the 70s, 80s, 90s, still today in the 2020s. Uh, people are still dancing salsa all over the world. And mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know that because they hear Latin urban is a, is a, is the newest thing. But tropical salsa music or dance music has coexisted with every single Latin or Spanish language genre that has been invented <laughs> since the 50s. And here we are in the 2020s and we still have, you know, uh, Latin music superstars, uh, that, that their repertoire is entirely of salsa dance music. Um, but people also like to listen and, and go to concerts and, go, you know, they go to stadiums. And, and, you know, this is a big industry, the salsa music industry today. And so we're going to spotlight some of that during Hispanic Heritage Month celebration of On Truth to Power, now, before we get into the music, I would like for you to tell the people who is Eddie Rodriguez and what do you do in the music industry and how long you've been in it? Well, it would take a long time, but just, you know, just to, to I just kind of give you a glimpse of my background in music. Okay. Uh, you know, I started loving music and during junior high school in the Bronx. Uh, uh, I was in the, you know, I was in the junior high school band. I was, you know, learned, learned how to play the trumpet. I learned music theory. And yes, uh, when we did uh, one of the school uh, functions of the year was the opera uh, Carmen. And so um, when we did that uh, opera, um, I I felt the music. I, I felt the music. That was the second time I felt the music. First time was when I was in public school, PS62, in the Bronx. And they took us to a rehearsal of of Leonard Bernstein uh, at, at Carnegie Hall. And um, um, I remember it was symphonic music. It was a Spanish music, English music. And the Tiffany's, the drums, you know that 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 whole build up with the, the you know going to a crescendo, you know, like building up, building up, and it's and the finale, you know, it's like boom, like it killed me. And so I kind of got the the bug early. I didn't start doing anything until I, I started going to college. Um, so everything in the Bronx, okay, PS62, PS Junior High School 120, and then the um, Child High School in the Bronx. And so what happened was that uh, there was kind of like the young people were, were dancing, even at junior high school we were dancing. 
And so there were local bands, and, you know, we didn't like Spanish music. We were listening to the Four Pops. We were listening to Temptations. We were listening to Supreme, you know, the, you know Michael Jackson, the Jackson Brothers, you know, things like that, Marvin Gaye, uh, early, early, early stuff. Um, and so in the 60s, and uh, then this Latin thing came out. The guys that were performing, we knew them from, you know, from the from being in high school with them or junior high school with them. All those cats were young, so we gravitated to them. And, and a lot of those bands were singing in English. So then, you know, I I grew from that uh, experience uh, into doing a concert and and uh, my uh, I was the president of the. Veterans Association of Bronx Community College. Very proud of doing that um, in the Bronx on University Avenue. And we decided to do a fundraiser. So we did a fundraiser with the Machito Orchestra, which you're going to hear now. Yes. Uh, a group called Conjunto Libre and a group called uh, TPK 73. And at that moment, I knew that I loved music. That was it. I was going to do something in music. Um, I ended up leaving New York, going to San Francisco and living in Oakland. And I got exposed to a lot more music there, you know. I mean, I was, you know, I was introduced to funk, you know, and that's what I was listening to. But I decided to do a Latin show with a local group and an artist that we're going to hear tonight by the name of Cal Jader. May he rest in peace. And that was my first show on the West Coast. I was in the 70s, and then I went to Los Angeles and went to live there, and I did my first show with a great, one of the great-time artists of Latin music, uh, Ruben Blades. I did a, a dance concert with him. Uh, I promoted there, and then I just went on. I started working, you know, with artists like Tito Puente. I did, you know, some outdoor festivals. I was booked other groups, and I started booking groups from the East Coast to come to the West Coast while they were on tour, not bringing them to pay for the aircraft. And uh, and so I started working for some media companies. I worked for a company called Televisa, and I learned about distribution because they were they had a record label that I you know, was working with and their home video label. And um, I had come from prior to that working with Billboard magazine, so I was around. Before the Latin charts that everybody pays so much attention to right now, when those numbers used to come in on a fax machine, there was no measure, measurement tools back then. And so uh, to what they are now, they're, you know, Nielsen, BDS, you know, uh, you got MediaBase, you know, it's, 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 you have a lot of different uh, measurement companies that can give you exactly how many um, radio spins were getting, how, what time, how many people were listening, what is the age group. I mean, it is incredible today. So before that, um, I went on to uh, work for uh, a record label in, in, uh, and also uh, in Madera, California, and a, the home video company. And then I decided, you know, Los Angeles was going to be the place. I stayed in L.A., and um, from there, um, I started doing shows in L.A., mm -hmm. and uh, I became a promoter there. And um, from there, what I did was I kept on looking for opportunities with uh, record labels, and I found an opportunity in the early 90s 
who uh, had hired by a New York independent label that was the label that um, was responsible for discovering the great Mark Anthony, who was a salsa music superstar today. So I was with that entire campaign and the millions of dollars that were spent to get Mark Anthony to to where he is today, as well as working you know, directly with Tito Puente and Kelly Cruz, Oscar De Leon, Chiel Feliciano, a lot of these people, you know, they're, they're gone now. Dave Valentin, great Latin, Latin jazz flautist. Uh, Hilton Reeves, a great Latin jazz pianist. I mean, I got to work with Michelle Camillo, Tito Valdez. I mean, I, I went and, you know, I started doing my job very happily. I knew I had landed where I wanted to be. And I worked at uh, at jobs in the West Coast for about four years. In my fifth year, I was asked to relocate to the main headquarters in New York City, which I accepted. Um, and I started producing recordings there with Tito uh, Puente and with Tito Valdez and uh, Michelle Camilo and Hilton and uh, I was in my I was in my uh, my my place of, of you know. I, it wasn't work to me. It was a, you know, I was a, surrounded by talent. And I just kept on going. And uh, at one point, I was offered a job by a company in France to uh, it's called the Read Medium Organization. Uh, people know it as the New Gem, the world's number one music industry trade show. And it was in its 50th or 55th edition, and they wanted a Latino to reach out to Latin American countries and work with the Performing Rights Society, the music publishers, the CD manufacturers at that time, the, um, the record shop chains and the attorneys, music attorneys and managers, et cetera. And I did that for five years um, and then decided that um, uh, I wanted to get back into the music industry and I uh, offered an opportunity to become a partner with um, the late, great Ralph McConnell, one of the number one Latin music industry promoter that, that ever existed. Um, the number one promoter today, his name is uh, Henry Cardenas, is a, he's from Colombia, um, wonderful guy. And, um, um, you know, he worked, I had met him when he started in Chicago. And, <laughs> but Ralph, he was a guy from New York, he was from Brooklyn. He said he's, he said he was the only black Puerto Rican around that thought like a Jew, <laughs> you know, because he would try to get the best prices for the, for all the shows that he did. And he would kind of haggle from that old style of Jewish haggling in, uh, in the garment district. And, um, and he was black and he was Puerto Rican. And so uh, he started off working with James Brown doing, you know, soul music shows as kind of, his uh, company was called Show Shoppers, and that's when I met Ralph back in 75. Um, at any rate, um, during all that time, I became a partner. We did two sold-out concerts at Madison Square Garden. I, had, I was the producer of those shows. Um, he was the backer. Um, you know, he was my financial backer, my partner. And we were able to accomplish that, and uh, then he got sick and passed away. That was around mm-hmm. 2009. So after that, I did a few projects, uh, but uh, there was nothing, nothing that filled me, you know. Um, 
I ended up working on a, a project with uh, uh, the first, actually, in, in 20, 2012, 2011, 2012, I, I did uh, a, um, a bit of a screening project with the, the incredible singer Mariah Carey. Uh, okay. And so 100 million units worldwide. So um, I had the person that was going to be able to pay for that, and then I had the other person that was going to be able to get the digital truck and the digital recording company and all the crew that we needed and the lighting, et cetera. And uh, I did that. And basically, I got to tell you, the, you know, I was, I couldn't really get to back to that same, uh, you know, being surrounded by the same type of people that I was surrounded by for so many years. It, it, it is, um, a loss of, of people that, that uh, kind of uh, had me uh, thinking of, okay, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, I got involved with a digital distribution company and uh, we wanted to do an entire Hispanic site at one point. You know, we went to Sweden. I went with the investor. We came back. Uh, this was just when Spotify had launched and, uh, you know, so I you know, I've seen it all. <laughs> um, basically, now how what I'm doing is I'm identifying artists. Uh, I'm working with a producer who's one of the one of the two top awesome music producers on the planet. They have more hits on the charts of Billboard than any other two tropical salsa record producers in that business today. His name is Pedro Infante, and uh, we did a tour uh, in Latin America. This is one of the last during that time that I was kind of moving from Brazil. Um, we did a tour in South America called the Tribute to Hector Lavoe. You're going to hear Hector Lavoe throughout the salsa um, series that we did. Um, so you know, he was one of the a beloved salsa singer who passed away tragically. And um, Ralph Mercado was able to buy the licensing rights to do a concert tour uh, tribute to Hector Laveau. Mm-hmm. And you see, it was the one that put an all-star band together, put the singers together. And uh, we had Woody Colon, we had Oscar de Leon. We had, oh, you're going to hear some of these people throughout the broadcast. We had Cheo Feliciano. We had Imael Miranda, we had Yomotoro, we had Domingo Quinones. I mean, we had, uh, we had a lineup of, of great uh, singers of salsa music, well-known, beloved guys. These guys are incredible. And some of those, those guys had passed away already, but uh, oh, I bet just with the other artists. You know, these, these are incredible salsa artists that have been around for years, and they're still doing their thing. So, um I'm looking forward to going back out with them again. We're working on a project right now with uh, with Isidro, and I also I'm working with a, a wonderful um, art uh, a record producer for Latin Latin um, actually pop music producer by the name of Casey Porter, who was the one of the well he was the record producer for Ricky Martin uh, uh, Living La Vida Loca. And he was a record producer for um, Tony Braxton when she did a Spanish version of Unbreak My Heart. 
And he was working with Michael Jackson during his last to do something with him, produce him in Spanish. He got to he he did get to produce some songs with Michael Jackson for that for that after that nine eleven thing that he did. Um, well, that's Eddie Rodriguez. I'm not married. I have three wonderful children. I have four, actually four Greek girls and one son. So three children from this marriage. I have had a previous marriage and. I have a, a daughter, a wonderful daughter, you know, all my kids, I'm so very proud of them. They, they all went to college and um, they're working. And so uh, their mom is, you know, from Guatemala, from Puerto Rico. And, um, you know, like my mom in Puerto Rico, you know, she just turned 99 years old. Wow, and, uh, that's awesome. And it's so from Puerto Rico, Arroyo Puerto Rico, which is a, which is a, a town in Puerto Rico in, 18, in the 1850s where Samuel Morse, the granddaddy of all mass com, tel, telecommunications, um, and, you know, he tested his telegraph here. <laughs> and um, out of all towns in Puerto Rico, he chose this town in the 1850s because he had a relative here. He had a daughter that was married to a Spaniard that had a sugar refinery here. And so... Um, you know, I'm I'm in a frequency here that that uh, you know Samuel Morse was able to capture those uh, those magnetic waves, so to speak, to to send them uh, to to be able to have a a transmitter to a receiver with with his Morse codes and and, and open the world and so get from God. You know, to be able to communicate online. Mm-hmm. Look at how far it's gone today. Blog Talk Radio, Truth to Power with Beverly D. So well, we um, we we gonna put some of that good music on, get some of that good frequency going on here. Okay, whenever you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, let's hear. <laughs>
Wow. Lovely. I'm sorry, I had my my uh, microphone muted. Who was that that we were listening to? Oh my God, <laughs> that was just happening. Uh, you kind of muffle. You kind of muffle. You can't. Can say it again. Okay, how about now? Hello. Better, better. Hello. Better. Is this, is this good now? Yes. Okay. Um. Yes, that was a late, a great uh, Machito. Um. His name was. Uh, that was. Uh, that was his stage name. Um. Gentleman's name was Frank Grillo, a composer, band leader, singer. Uh, all around great human being. I got to work with him uh, on my first ever uh, concert uh, in New York City in the Bronx uh, in 1975. Um, and, um, you know, people gravitated to him. He had been there since in the 40s and that whole swing era with his big orchestra, 21-piece orchestra, and Charlie Parker, the late, great Charlie Parker, uh, took an interest in uh, doing something with uh, the Machito and Afro-Cubans. Uh, in particular, the creative force on the horn section and the and arrangements and, and that big band sound uh, for, for Latin music was a gentleman by the name of Mario Bauza. Um, and uh, Mario was also a black Cuban. Uh, who had emigrated to uh, the U.S. In the, in, in the 40s. And, um, you know, people were gravitated to him uh, just because of his creativity. Now, don't forget, you know, um, there was uh, people before before the Machito Orchestra uh, that came, uh, there was an artist by the name of Chamel Pozo that did uh, one particular composition with Jesus Gillespie called Manteca. And... Um, uh, that became uh, a, a it's a standard now, um, but um, that was the beginning of uh, of what we call the roots of Latin jazz music. It could be probably could go back even further uh, back to New Orleans when the Cuban uh, trumpeters started coming to going to New Orleans. Um, New Orleans is during the you know you know during the 1900s. Uh, so, but, uh, as, you know, I'm looking at it from my point of view, uh, the biggest influence of uh, Latin jazz music were the two uh, gentlemen, uh, artists that you presented already on, on Truth to Power that had to go to, through a lot of, you know, uh, dealing with segregation in the United States and in New York City. Uh, Chito was a white Puerto Rican. Uh, Machito was a black, uh, you know, dark skin, not really dark-skinned, uh, but, you know, he was, uh, you could tell that he was colored and, uh, so from Cuba. And so they had to go through the same things that the, the jazz artists um, had to go through when they traveled in the South, uh, you know, going to the colored bathroom and drinking from the colored um, drinking fountain and eating in the colored section and, 
you know, that's um, that was hard, you know, because in Latin American countries, yeah, there might, might be prejudice. But in Cuba, you, you don't feel it, you know, or you know, in Puerto Rico, you know, the Dominican Republic, you know, you have leaders that are black, you know, it doesn't wipe. But, um, but New York City, there was a time where you could not go below 96th Street in Manhattan if you were not white and performed Latin music. So um, that's how tough it was. These neighborhoods were Italian, uh, Irish, this or that. So um, for a Latino to go through that uh, for the first time uh, was, was quite uh, an unusual experience. And Charlie Parker, you know, one of the, one of the greats of, uh, of jazz music. Uh, you know, Charlie Parker and so creative that he decided to do this suite with the Afro-Cubans, and that's what you just heard. Um, and um, this is the beginning of what I believe the roots of Latin jazz music today, which is a worldwide industry. Uh, there's Latin jazz artists all over the world that perform. There's great jazz artists that you know perform. Uh, you know, all over the world, and they do a Latin kind of jazzy kind of uh, composition in their repertoire. Uh, and, you know, management, music publishing, uh, you know, the venue operators, the engineers in the recording studio that these uh, Latin jazz musicians use, uh, you know, they're all part of an industry that we call today the, the Latin jazz music industry. Um, we're separating, separating them by genre uh, because we could say Latin, but, you know, what is Latin? You know, there's a Latin urban um, music industry. There's a tropical salsa music industry. There's a, a regional Mexican music industry. Um, there's obviously, uh, you know, a, a you know, Latin pop music industry. So, you know, uh, and there's regional Industries in, in Brazil, you know, you have in Argentina and in, in Colombia <coughs> have their own uh, genres. But um, what we're doing is, uh, in, in all those countries, they usually have a Latin jazz festival, and okay. they do have a repertoire that was uh, inspired uh, by Tito Puente, who you who, you know played, you know, just on the top, at the top of the show, and now with Machito and, and Charlie Parker. What do you think of it? That, that's my question. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> it reminds me when I was listening to it of the movies back in the older days, and they had that sound. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know what it was, but uh, that's what it it, it sounds like that. And talking about festivals, we just had a festival here, and we had uh, what was the piano guy named Vadas? Oh yes, I was. I, I had the honor of working with him in the nineties. He's one of oh, the greatest. Awesome. Uh, he was one of the greatest pianists that ever came out of Cuba, known worldwide. And he comes from a family of pianists. Uh, his father, Bebo. Valdez um, was a great orchestra leader, composer, pianist, uh, band, you know, um, 
songwriter, um, a wonderful gentleman who left Cuba to live in Sweden. <laughs> mm. And, uh, you know, spent his last, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 years before he passed away in, in Sweden. And his son, Chucho, Chucho Valdez is a pianist you're speaking of, is the number okay. one Cuban pianist in the Latin jazz or jazz of industry, the pianist of Cuban descent uh, in the jazz music world. Um, you know, he has big hands. Um, uh, he can do wonderful things. I mean, it's just so creative. It just his solos are so intense that if you don't understand, um, you know, if you don't, you know, if you're not a music lover, you might get lost. But um, he, you know, his um, his performances always uh, they don't miss because he um, he's very spiritual and uh, with his music, and he happens to be the, the person who uh, he put a, together a group called Ida Kere back in the 70s, which, uh, which was the first group, uh, to, a Cuban group, to ever win a Grammy after the, after the um, dictatorship of, uh, of Fidel Castro in the early 60s. That was a big deal. Chicho Valdez, incredible composer, songwriter, pianist, musician, band leader, all around gentleman, and uh, yeah, beloved among all the professionals in the Latin music world. Now, that was my first time seeing him, and that's when you say when you can feel the music. You know, I, I could really feel his playing. He was awesome. I enjoyed his music. Well, we're, we're going to be playing some of his music uh, down the line. He did some incredible material, some Latin jazz material that, um, you know, we're looking, when we talk about Latin jazz, we're talking about musicians that have this amazing talent mm-hmm. and they're able to to share that with us um, and these great compositions and melodies that they create. And, and it's, it's, you know, they, they keep their African uh, roots, so to speak, uh, with, with, with drums. And even if it's a drum kit, it still has, you know, not conga drums or bongos or anything. No, they still give it that Latin feel, and and that's um, that that comes from the heart. Um, you know, your question about who is Eddie Rodriguez, was, I wasn't ready for it. But, you know, we're gonna have to do um, do it over uh, again, and, and I'll be ready. But um, Eddie Rodriguez is a dreamer and a spiritual guy uh, who uh, who feels the music, and still today I. <clears throat> I enjoy, uh, you know, working on a music project that um, that will benefit some of the artists and composers and songwriters that I have a personal relationship with. And, you know, so doing this tonight, I hope that uh, people were able to, to get a glimpse of how Latin jazz or the Latin jazz music world, where it began, where it began, uh, it began in New York City with, with artists like Tito Puente and, of course, the late, great, uh, both the late, great Tito Puente and the late, great Machito and the late, great people like Charlie Parker who felt the music. And, uh, so 
we got a little bit more for everyone, so let's get to okay. some music. Yeah. Le- okay, let's put some more music on here.
Hello, can you hear me, Eddie Rodriguez? I'm here, I'm here. Okay. Oh, my God, that was incredible, incredible. Uh, uh, um, Cal Jader, uh, the vibraphonist, uh, resemblance uh, with Eddie Palmieri. Um, uh, Eddie Palmieri is a great pianist. Uh, he's an, another important for, force in what we call the Latin music industry. Uh, in terms of uh, tropical salsa music and dance music, and, and his brother who passed away, uh, Charlie Palmieri, uh, was also a pianist. Uh, um, uh, that collaboration with Cal Jader, uh, vibraphonist, who was actually uh, stumbled into Latin music, um, he was with uh, Dave Brubeck uh, quintet, and uh, was in New York when he first heard Latin music. I had the pleasure of interviewing him uh, during a radio show I used to do in Los Angeles, and sorry, in San Francisco, uh, called La Salsa. And um, he came from Sweden, and uh, he got turned on to Latin music uh, in New York City, and incorporated in, into his repertoire. And um, that music was uh, was. The favorite of of, uh, of a lot of the jazz music lovers at that time, and and even the Latin music uh, uh, lovers, uh, salsa music lovers, uh, which we didn't know at the time was salsa, but uh, we knew that it was Latin jazz. Um, and these artists, like an Eddie Palmieri, would play in in dance venues and hotel ballrooms, and we would dance to them. So it was collaboration. Uh, with an instrumental and uh, resemblance uh, standard um, uh, with Cal Jader. Uh, was incredible uh, at that time. Uh, and, uh, you know, we went into a great uh, uh, Afro Blue uh, with uh, um, with uh, Cal Jader and Mongo Santa Maria. Mongo Santa Maria. Also a Cuban Passaway, rest in peace. And Cal Jader also. Um, that collaboration and that Afro Blue became a standard as well. Uh, you know, this is, this is the, the, the uh, creativity going on at that time, the frequency that these people were on to make music that could transcend, uh, you know, and, and pass the test of time because this music today is still incredible music. Uh, and, um, you know, that's what makes this music great. Uh, then you went into uh, one of my one of my favorites uh, was with Tito Puente and uh, and uh, Tito, it was Tito Puente and Mongo Santa Maria and Patato Valdez. You know, um, all three of them are, are gone now. Um, you know, Tito was on the timbales and Mongo Santa Maria and Patato went back and forth on their congas to great. Cuban congueros, so both of them black uh, Latinos, um, and um, you know this is uh, the, that four beat mama was uh, it's just incredible. Um, I think we have time for a lot more uh, Tito Fuente, which is coming up now, but uh, mm-hmm. I think Tito was the one that really made his mark uh, around the world touring with uh, the Tito Fuente Latin Jazz Ensemble. Um, uh, after the big band era kind of went down the drain, uh, 
people think it created a smaller booth. Now, what era was this? Was this in the 60s? Well, this, is, this is the era, yeah, already um, in the 70s already, you know, that big band, uh, those musicians weren't getting a lot of work, you know. Uh, already in 73, um, the, the, the dancers were getting used to smaller groups, what we call conjunto, you know, which is, uh, I said, a 21-piece orchestra, maybe a 20-piece orchestra. And so uh, the conjunto sound came out, and uh, and they uh, after that. But, you know, what they're still kept on using is big band arrangements uh, uh, with some great singers, you know, uh, females uh, like Sally Cruz and, and uh, uh, La Lupe. Um, you know, both Cuban, um, African-American, uh, black Cuban women who were incredible singers. Uh, Celia was known as the queen of Latin music um, for, her, for her charisma and her, her royalty. Uh, she was a, a total, uh, such a wonderful, kind, and, um, loving human being. Uh, she didn't have any children, her and her husband. She was just... Her life was amusing. And so, you know, you had talent like that. Uh, you know, the people went there with, with you. And then he started his Latin jazz ensemble, which is strictly instrumental. And that became a hit. Uh, he started touring. And I remember that back in the, in the late 70s when he came to the West Coast. And um, that group became, that's when I first met him. I was working for a radio station out there, and I was assigned the account for that club. It was a jazz club called the, the uh, it was called the, not the Jazz Corner, the, uh, you know, it's one of those corner clubs, uh, but not, uh, not, I'll think of the name. Uh, but um, it was an incredible sound, and everybody, he did a, he did four nights there, the Keystone Corner. He did four nights there, and it was packed every single night, you know, in San Francisco. And I was there every night, and then I went on, I went to other places that he performed on the tour. And I got to know him, and from that relationship, uh, you know, that built to the point where um, when I was in New York and his manager passed away, uh, he asked me to work for him as his manager and uh, uh, I would say well that's just some big shoes to fill Tito and he said well you can handle it you know he said uh, just get the contract going with uh, with the office which was Ralph Mercado's office who handled his, his bookings at the time and um, I became Tito's manager and I was with him at his last performance and uh, you know, unfortunately, he passed away on May 31st, 2000, and we had shows already two years in advance. You know, it's an incredible loss um, for the music world and from uh, from a personal side. Uh, you know, I had, I had uh, put in a lot of hope. I had felt that I had reached uh, the top of my of my career working with a great worldwide artist like Tito Puente. And um, yeah, this is uh, these are stories of the of the Latin music business. But uh, if it wasn't for Tito, uh, I would have known a lot of things I know today. Uh, he was able to mentor me all the way until his passing. So um, 
You know, I had great memories of him. Uh, I didn't know his family too much, but after he passed away, then, you know, the estate takes over. So, um, you know, his son, his outperforming Tito Clinton Jr., and he has his son. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing a movie about Tito. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that they don't have people like myself or, or people that were with Tito during, on the road uh, to tell their side of the story. But, uh, you know, it's a Hollywood thing. They'll they do a good job, I hope. And um, I don't know, let's listen to more Tito Puentes. Beverly?
Wow, good music never ages. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the late, great king of Latin music, Tito Puente. Um, that set was incredible. Um, I know you have a little bit more time. I don't know if, um, maybe we should announce the phone number for any comments about our music tonight. Um, the great uh, music, the great music. Comment? Uh, the phone, the call-in number is 323-642-1586. That's 323-642-1586. And push the number one. If you have a question or a comment about the music or a question or comment for Eddie Rodriguez, uh, who has been in the music business for a while, so he's, a, I would say, an expert. He knows his music. Well, thank you very much, Beverly. Um, uh, it's an honor to be with you on Truth to Power. Uh, I think this, uh, that Blog Talk Radio is uh, is covering a lot of things, uh, especially uh, every year you've been so gracious to do a Hispanic Heritage Month uh, spotlight on Latin music. And uh, last year it was about black artists in the music business, black Latino artists in the music business, mm-hmm. and um, and today we're going into some of the roots of, of Latin music, uh, Latin jazz music, which is, uh, is uh, you love music and you love jazz and you love Latin, yeah. and you love opera, you love the Gypsy Kings, or you know, uh, you can uh, relate to this music. You know, we want to hear your comments uh, so we can keep on. Uh, giving you more of this music, this great music. Uh, Picadillo was a, a, a composition by Tito Puente, um, and uh, you know, it became a, a, also a standard. Uh, you know, it's, it's incredible how his, he, he was able to uh, segue from, uh, from a being a, a big band to a, to a smaller group and, uh, and pick the best musicians to, to work with him. And they were loyal to him. They stayed with him for years, uh, all the way to the end, some of them. That how, how long did you work with Tito? What is Tito Penez? How do you Puente. pronounce his last name? Puente. Puente. Puentes. Okay. Puente. Uh, Tito Puente. Uh, well, I first met him in 1979, and um, I ended up working with him. Usually every year when he used to come on tour, I would I'd be with him and his road manager, uh, Jimmy Fursora, who is an excellent, uh, also a road manager and a musician and trumpeter. Um, I mean, he's American, Jimmy Italian, Fursora. Uh, he passed away. And, uh, you know, a lot of Tito's guys passed away, but uh, he remained with a lot of the ones that, uh, that were with him until the end of, one of them in particular was the flautist that you heard in the saxophonist. Uh, that was Mario Rivera. Um, he was uh, also from, uh, you know, a black Latino but from the Dominican Republic. And uh, I remember being on tour with Tito uh, Puente, and I would hear Mario from the morning all the way to the afternoon, just practicing, just playing notes out of his room by himself. Um, and, uh, you know, when he got on stage, he was ready. 
So that was uh, music from uh, uh, one of our our uh, one of our pioneers in Latin jazz music, Jesus Fuente. May uh, rest in peace. Uh, I think you have a few more tunes coming up. Uh, you have some coming up. Uh, I think you have something coming up with Cal Jader. Um, we're almost out of time. Uh, all this called. Uh, I think we should get back to some music. And, and see, I have my. I can hear you much better with my earphones uh, on, but you can't hear me when I put them on. So next week, uh, I'm gonna work on that. And I just want the listeners to know that we will be here uh, every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time doing this uh, Hispanic Heritage Month in the year of 2022. And we will be uh, listening to some great tunes here. So we might be able to squeeze in about two more tunes here, um, Eddie Rodriguez. Uh, Why don't... Okay, so while we ended up with Cal Jader, um, which uh, I think uh, no, it's you know, not that long, uh, so um, they're like about three minutes long, uh, most of them. Uh, so is I, I that think the Latin symbol? Which one? I think uh, you can start with uh, Leite, the soul sauce, uh, from the Cal Jader album. Okay. And watch and the song uh, Soul Source uh, Soul Source Guatiguara um, uh, by okay. Cal Jeter. Uh, they became right. rich. Uh, you have another one by Tito Puente there. Uh, G it's called G Joe B. Uh, that's Tito Puente Latin Jazz Ensemble. Uh, if you could squeeze that in, that'd be great. Uh, then uh, I don't know if we'll have time for Dizzy Gillespie's Machita because. That's a sweet, and that lasts about um, probably about 30 minutes. So maybe we'll see. Yeah. So I probably can get the two uh, souls uh, sauce in and maybe Tito. Because we have about 12 minutes left. Okay, we'll play that. uh, Play soul sauce and uh, and later. Okay. All right. All right. And. Thank you, uh, Eddie Rodriguez. I look forward oh, to welcome. doing Lovely this day. again next week. Uh, Beverly D. Okay. Better love. Yeah. Truth to power with Beverly D. Every Thursday <laughs> on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, it's an honor to be with you, Beverly. Thank you so much. Now, do you have, before we go, do you have um, any way that someone could get in contact with you? Is you still in the business? Well, I am in the business. Uh, they can email me, EddieRod213, E-D-D-I-E-R-O-D, 213 at Gmail. Uh, and, um, you know, on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, I'm Eddie Rodriguez. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm Eddie Rodriguez, Latin Works Music. And uh, Facebook, I'm Eddie Rodriguez. Instagram, Eddie Rodriguez. Twitter, Eddie Rodriguez. Um, so, uh, you know, you can get in touch with me um, and any of those uh, platforms, social media platforms would be a, a pleasure to just get some comments from you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Eddie uh, Rodriguez, and look forward to next week and better love. And thanks. Uh, better love to you. Yes, listeners for listening. Thank you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.